Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. We are back into First uh, Thessalonians, this series, and, and uh, we're into week three of this current series. You know, the life of faith is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And we need to stay committed to the path of righteousness in spite of life's many ups and many downs. Pray with me, Lord, we thank You for showing us the righteous way to live in the Word of God. Help us to stay on course no matter what trials or temptations we face. We ask this in the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus. Well, if you're listening to us for, on a podcast, we just want to say thank you for joining us. We hope this message will help you take your next step closer to Jesus. You know, in 1 Thessalonians, you may remember that this church in Thessalonica was one of the churches that was established by Paul on his many journeys. Actually, his second missionary journey. And many other Roman cities at the time, there around the region of Thessalonica, they had diverse cultures. And because of those diverse cultures, they had different ways of understanding faith. Pagan faith. And they had different ways of understanding authority. We're the authority and you're not. The problem that many of them struggle with the Christian faith is that it, it wasn't liberal. And meaning, it didn't say, well, you can have your faith and it'll be okay. I mean, because its founder said something that just really angered everybody else in the world. He said this in John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, can you believe this? Check out this last part. Say it with me. Ready? Begin. No one can come to the Father except through me. What? I mean, that is bold. And it angered everybody. But here's the interesting thing. Buddha didn't go to a cross and die and then raise from the dead. You can pick any religion throughout the world and you will find it's only Jesus that died on the cross went into a tomb. By the way, if he wasn't dead on the cross, he, the swoon theory is not real. He would have gone into that tomb. He would have been sealed up and he would have suffocated. But he rose from the dead three days later. So the Christian road is a narrow one, which can become problematic for some people when, they, when it appears that there are so many other options and choices for different faiths and the truth is with modern advancements we're constantly presented with more and more choices and options in fact many of us suffer from something called decision fatigue anybody know what i'm talking about just go to baskin robbins 31 flavors but if i don't get those ones i won't have these ones Oh, let me just try a little bit of everything. Yes. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> we're fatigued because it's just we're overwhelmed at the amount of decisions and choices that we have to make every single day. 
And it doesn't look like this phenomenon is going to change anytime soon. Which is why it's even more important that we stay focused on Christ. As people, our natural propensity is to wander. And to wander off. I remember my son Theo, we were at Disneyland, and we were just doing the family thing. And we finally got to, I think, Pirates of the Caribbean, and we're all searching. We can't, where's Theo? Where's Bear? And I took off nuts, running. And the more I ran, the more they were yelling to stop me and stuff. I'm like, follow me. And uh, finally they ran up to me, and I'm still running, looking. And I said, my son is lost. This is his description. And uh, they immediately sent people to the bathrooms to see if they're changing clothes and stuff. He was at the Mad Hatter where we were just looking at hats. And so we, we found him. My heart was out here. I had to reel it back in. I, I, I couldn't get mad at him because he was just wandering off like a little, little guy. Normal. I think it was maybe three. He's three years old. Man. Do you know we all wander off if we're not paying attention? If we're not focused on a righteous life, on being a life that's sanctified, we won't mean to, but we'll get lost looking at the hats. Where are you at right now? Are you wandering? Are you focused? And here's what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. He says, Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God. As we have taught you, you live this way already. And we encourage you to do so even more. For you remember what we taught you by the authority of, authority of the Lord Jesus. Ever the encourager, Paul essentially says, hey, you guys are living for Christ already. So just keep doing it more and more and more, River Rock Fellowship. Yeah. Now, now, in verse 2, he, he's talking about, for you remember that we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Ever notice that many folks have a difficult time listening to instructions from others? What is that all about? How many men here have the courage to raise their hand that you bought some furniture or you bought a kid bike or something, it wasn't assembled, and there was this big manual, and what did you do with it? You threw it to the side. You spent hours upon hours getting nowhere. Finally, when the wife stands right next to you and goes, here you go. What is that? How many resemble that remark? Yes, honest men of God in this room. You know, I, maybe it's selfish pride on my part or your part, or maybe it's something else, but, but it needs to die. Whatever that thing that rebels against receiving instruction, that has to stop. Because if I don't get godly instruction and counsel, I really will blunder, and I'll do more than blow a couple of hours. I may blow it away from my life, or decades of my life. 
In Proverbs 19, verse 20, it says, Listen to advice, accept discipline, and at the end, you will be counted among the wise. Whose advice, whose instruction are you listening to nowadays? And if you think because you're older, you're one of those seasoned citizens, and you don't need help, gosh, I needed a good joke. Thank you. I think the older I get, the more I need help. As many of us know, bad company corrupts good morals, good character. And in the same way, if you're constantly listening to poor advice or the talking head prophets on the TV who are false prophets, you're getting bad advice. Ungodly living from folks who don't have a relationship from God and they're investing into your personal life, where do you think that's going to end? If I get on the I-5 and I want to take it all the way down into Orange County to Anaheim because I want to take the family to Disney. Not nowadays, God bless. But let's just pretend. Pretend it was still wholesome. If I go north from where we're at here in Lodi, if I go north on I-5, I'm never going to get to the Magic Kingdom. But I'm on the correct freeway. But I'm going the wrong way. If I have people giving me counsel, but it's the wrong counsel, I'm not going to get to where God wants me to be. So it reminds me of a story from the Old Testament from Solomon's son, some guy named Rehoboam. Let's look at that. 1 Kings chapter 12. It's a lot of text, but I'll read through it pretty quickly. So, so here's, here's the premise. Rehoboam's taken over for his dad. His dad was, I mean, he wasn't a nice guy. He was quite a slave driver, so to speak. It was very harsh. It was very brutal. And because there's a switching of the guard, all of a sudden Rehoboam's in charge. They come to him saying, hey, we, this is too hard on us. Take it down a notch or two. Don't be so hard on us. And we'll be faithful and we'll be loyal to you. All we ask is don't make us work so hard and so long. Okay, so that's the context. Verse 6. Then King Rehoboam discussed the matter with the older men who had counseled his father Solomon. What is your advice? He asked. How should I answer these people? The older counselors replied, If you are willing to be a servant to these people today and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subjects. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men and instead asked the opinion of the young men who had grown up with him and were now his advisors. What is your advice, he asked them. How should I answer these people who, who want me to lighten the burdens opposed, imposed by my father? And the young men replied, "What? It, this is what you should tell those complainers who want a lighter burden, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. It actually means something entirely different, but in this 
mixed group. I will let you figure that one out later. Verse 11. Yes, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I'll beat you with scorpions. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to hear Rehoboam's decision, just as the king had ordered. But Rehoboam spoke harshly to the people, for he rejected the advice of the older counselors and followed the counsel of his younger advisors. He told the people, My father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. So Rehoboam refused to listen to proven, godly, wise counsel. Instead, he opted for godless, power-hungry Selfish, greedy, lustful. The so-called buddies advice. It's a harsh reality about where bad instruction can lead you. So the moral is to receive your instruction from good and godly sources. And act, now catch that part, and then act accordingly. It's one thing to hear a really good message, really good sermon, get some really good godly advice from a man or a woman of God, and say, wow, that was really interesting. I'll take a note about that. Have a wonderful day. That's not the same as receiving that kind of advice, taking it to the Lord, and then acting on it. That's what we have to do. If we don't act on it, then it did nothing for us. Which is why this next passage in 1 Thessalonians 4 is so incredibly important. See, the Roman culture in this time of Christ, it has a very highly sexualized uh, culture, much like what we see today. Let's be honest, it's been highly sexualized since the beginning of time. And Paul's overwhelming encouragement in all his letters is to, to lay aside the temptations of the world and to live a holy life completely devoted to Christ. Let's look at, again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We'll look at verse 3 now. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness." Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us His Holy Spirit. There aren't many places in the Bible where you can read so clearly what the will of God is. And, and yet here, smack dab in the middle of Paul's letter, we learn that it's God's will that we would be sanctified, that we would be set apart. If the way you live doesn't stand out from the way the world lives, you're not doing it right. I'm not doing it right. 
Our life should look different. Somebody should come up to you and say, what is it about you? You don't cuss. What is it about you? you, you man, you, you, you go to church all the time. What is it about you? You pray over your meal. There's something different about you, just the way you talk. You, you, you talk like one of those faith people. See, you can't help it if it's in you because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And people will see it. I like how it was once said, if you were put on trial for being a Christian and they were trying to convict you for being a Christian, is there enough evidence? Or do you get to go free? We should be set apart. Sanctification is setting us apart from the ways of the world. It doesn't mean that I don't go over here to win those in the world over to the kingdom of light. But it means that I stand out separate. And I'm not arrogant and legalistic and condemning other people because they don't know. I have to be the one to love on them. Why? Love conquers all. And that kingdom of darkness can't understand it. Now, speaking about love, it would be impossible to talk about righteous living without talking about love. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. But we do not need... I just love how Paul's saying, he goes, hey, River Rock, we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other. For God Himself has taught you to love one another. God Himself. I mean, He taught this church, this, this church there in Thessalonica, in that city. He says, God taught you how to do this. Hey, I came with my lessons to teach you, and God already taught you. I see how you love one another. Woo! Verse 10, indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. What do you mean? The word got out on social media, man. It was all over the place. Those Christians over there in Thessalonica, they know how to love. It, it, was, it was being telegraphed everywhere. And the word got out. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them. Catch us again. Love them even more. I know you're doing it right. You're doing it right. Just like I just said a few verses over. And I said, just do it more, do it more. So what I'm going to do right now, when it comes to love, you're doing it right. You're doing it right. Here's my only thing. Do it again. Do it more. Do it more. Do it more. I imagine that their love was a powerful testimony in the midst of a very harsh culture like that of the Romans in that day. The righteous path is filled with the love of God. And the love of God informs the righteous path. So Paul's final words in here is in verse 11 and 12. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. He said, let your daily life, your hard, honest work, win the respect of others. 
You understand? There needs to be a situation. Have you ever been in a, maybe in a, in a work environment? And when the boss is around, all of a sudden everybody's working. Boss leaves and all of a sudden everybody finds their coffee cup. Right? But the one he's really set apart is still working whether the boss comes or not. Do you know that that is a testimony? That that is a witness? That you work unto God? Not just the boss? That you never have to be looking over your shoulder to see if anybody's watching? Because you're always doing the right thing because your work ethic is so strong. That's what he's saying. But, but, but there's more here. And Paul adds, so that you won't be, I want to use this word instead, reliant upon anyone else, which doesn't mean that we shouldn't depend on each other. Let me give you this illustration. If an Amish barn is burnt, he took care of his farm. He took care of his animals. He took care of his crops. He is a good farmer. And, he, and he is, he's not relying on anybody to take care of his own farm. But the barn is burnt. Lightning hit it. Caused the hay to catch on fire. He can depend on the others in the community to come and raise a brand new barn. Catch the difference? He was always faithful to the, the family homestead. See, if you're faithful and there comes a time of need, you should be able to depend on the body of Christ to step up and to be there. But have you been faithful to what you should be doing day in and day out? There's a difference. So Paul gets into this very practical idea of working hard. You know, in this section of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 through 12, Paul gives us some extremely practical examples in how to live a very righteous life set apart for the glory of God. Number one, in order to stand firm and to continue in the path of righteousness, we need to learn to listen and accept instruction from good, godly counsel. Another one is we must recognize that God has called us to live lives of holiness and purity before Him. A third one is love is an imperative piece to righteous living. If you're trying to love somebody and you want to give them something, but there's a hook involved, there's a condition involved. Shame on you. Shame on me. That I'm not giving in love. I just gave a loan with a lot of interest. Catch that? Be careful how you love. Number four, and finally, we must continue in our work until Christ returns for His church. We can't become lazy or complacent thereby damaging the testimony of the cross. But rather, we must learn to work faithfully in whatever vocation we've been called to and honor Christ with our work. 
I encourage you to think about these very practical things that Paul gives us. And ask God, Lord, where am I missing it? Am I not taking advice? Am I not loving correctly? Am I not truly in my private life having that in order? Lord, Lord, is there a problem in my testimony? Show me, Father. See, above all, help me to stand firm for the body of Christ, for the cause of Christ, for the cross, for the resurrection. There will always be temptations, folks. Trying to draw us. That's why Matthew 6.33 is so important. Seek the kingdom of God occasionally. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And another one, seek the kingdom of God. Seek first. I like this one because it says above all else and live righteously. And He will give you a couple things that you might need. Everything. How about the things I don't even know that I need? Everything. How about the things for my children that I don't know? Everything. How about the things for my grandbabies, my great-grandbabies? Everything. How about the things for the church and the ministry? Everything. How about for the community and for the state and for the, for the nation? Everything. So Lord, I pray for Your people. I pray blessing be upon them. Lord, help us to take sanctification seriously. Help us to not just think, hey, I've got some pretty good disciplines. I show up to church. And then, Lord, not even realize we're becoming idle. We're becoming lazy. And we're losing passion. God, fire up our bones. Raise us up. Oh God, give us ears to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Oh, pour, pour your Spirit on us. Oh Jesus, we need you. And we pray for your will, we pray for your way, and we pray in your time. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I pray blessing on your people in Jesus' holy name. And we all say, Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.